Hi everyone, and welcome to Being the Work. I'm Ben Wire, and today we are bringing you a conversation with Allison, a social worker that I worked with. Uh, we didn't really work together; we just worked alongside each other, sharing cases. This is just uh, her story on how she got into the work, how she maintained the work, and specific things and struggles that she went through that made it difficult to stay in the work. So, we just want to say welcome. We are so excited for you to be here. And don't forget, if any of this is moving or you have questions or you want to reach out to us, don't hesitate. Get in touch with us, beingthework at gmail.com. You can also find us uh, on our website, www.beingthework.com. You can also reach us on Instagram, beingthework uh, is our handle. And yeah, so without further ado, I bring you this wonderful conversation with Allison. Like, I know when I drove all those miles because like, I worked for, um, so I guess backing up a little bit, you worked, um, we both worked sort of in child, child welfare, mm -hmm. but I was before, before kids went into custody, you were after, is yes. that right? Yep. Yeah. And were, did you have multiple roles there? Like I did. different stages of, of custody? Yeah, I did. So um, when I first started, I was working with kids who were working on um, the reintegration process. So that's getting kids right. um, who have been removed from the home back into the home with the family. So right. engaging with the family to help with whatever um, mm -hmm. supports that they need. Um, and then, of course, supporting the youth as they're moving through with foster homes, um, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and then also engaging with the foster home as well and trying to kind of create that right. um, connection or all yeah, three building realms. bridges yeah. between the foster home, but between and and the biological mm -hmm. parents, getting the kids ready. A, a lot of was there a lot of direct intervention with those folks with like um, resources, like getting yeah. helping get resources, coping skills, yeah, um, parenting stuff, like basically the whole gamut. Yeah, like all of the above. You, <laughs> Anything they needed, like what do we need to do? <laughs> yeah. Right. You're yeah. the utility tool that's like yes. do everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. For uh teach them the skills they need, make sure there's continued safety, do all the paperwork, mm -hmm. drive all the miles, be the master communicator, the master yeah. facilitator, like everything. Yeah, pretty much you name the hat, yeah. I probably wore it at some point in that role too. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I I did that for about maybe a year and then okay. um ended up moving to the adoption team. So um this is after yeah. reintegration efforts have I hate to say failed, but failed. And then yeah. kids become available for uh, adoption at that point. Um, and Got really it, the, right. the focus becomes, um, rather than reintegrating them with uh, their parents at that point, finding permanency with, a, with an adoptive um, family. So a mm -hmm. um, little mm -hmm. bit of recruitment, um, a lot of like maintenance services, I guess I would say. So like, how do we make sure that while you're, you know, awaiting that uh, adoptive family, you know, continuing to make sure your services are staying stable, that you're staying stable. I mean, that's obviously a very tumultuous time in a kid's life. So sure. doing with all of those things and then also, you know, preparing them for an adoption and then also preparing all of the paperwork for an adoption and all right. of those pieces that kind of go along with it too. So kind of a lot. Yeah. Happened. So you went from you went from trying to get the kids back into biological homes mm -hmm. um, and then um, moved teams to the team that would do like help help with adoption. And those kids uh, like. You would have to recruit um, families to be adoptive parents. And help the kids adjust to all of the 
junk that goes along with with getting adopted or or being in the foster care for long term. Yeah. I would imagine, and, and I know the one of the clients we share, yes, uh, or shared was long term, yeah, like quite long term, and so. Yeah, and seeing a lot of that too—that's something you see a lot. Yeah, yeah, and long term. By that, I'm assuming listeners know, but long term being that they've been in the foster care for a really long time, maybe have gone through some failed adoptions where, uh, for whatever reason, adoptive parents pull out. And so I'm curious, like from uh, so from my experience in in child welfare, I was all the way at the beginning of the process after reported abuse or neglect had happened. Mm -hmm. And, and there wasn't uh, any custody taken away from biological parents. We called it family preservation. Mm -hmm. And I worked uh, as a case manager and then a family therapist there after I got my master's. And so my job was a lot of the uh, utility belt kind of stuff, like do everything, wear every hat. But uh, the majority, because there wasn't as much child family services, like state involvement, mm-hmm. um, there was more time to do interventions and like coping skills and, uh, you know, daily living activities practice and things like that, wherever it was needed. I'm curious, how much of that did you do? You know, that was, that was something that I found really difficult too, is because you would, when, when I was on the reintegration team, um, and working towards reintegration with youth, you would really, you would have maybe an hour visit with a parent, with a parent Mm -hmm. every week. And that's if they showed up and, you know, you're trying to figure out at the very beginning of that, a lot of that is like assessment heavy, you know, so you're doing a lot of the paperwork of, um, you know, do, where are you at? What do we, what do you need? What are the resources that you need? And then, you know, you're really, you're really working Maslow's hierarchy of needs when it comes to the, this kind of situation. Sure. So you're starting with like, do you have housing? Do you have, um, a way right. to get your next meal? Do you, you know, and then moving on right. to, do you have employment? Do you have contact means and, mm-hmm. you know, and up and up and up. And so, you know, you, you're, you're wanting to provide a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. But uh, in my experience, I did not get the opportunity to do that very often. Yeah. A lot of times they would be worked in with child visits, which is like right. so sad to think about because you have these youth that are getting an hour to see their parent, you know, a week, uh, which is just heartbreaking to think about anyway. <laughs> and then, right, and then, you know, I'm trying to maybe do some, um, some like, guidance with how to do the parenting and adding some parenting skills and then maybe like right at the end trying to offer a little bit of support because maybe they didn't Mm -hmm. show up to their parent meeting that was separate from the youth so you had the two separate meetings but really you know you're seeing them for a total of what two hours a week at that point Mm -hmm. and you know there's only so much you can do in those in those instances and your caseload is so high that you know you're going from one thing to the next thing and your day is full you're working 60 hours a week and that's mm-hmm. just what it is. <laughs> so, yeah, and and driving, driving all over what, the, twenty hours a week, all over the place. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a. I honestly never. If that's kept an exaggeration track I, or not, but yeah, I never kept track. I probably would have left sooner if I did. So, um, like I, <laughs> if he would have if he would have been able to see the hours yes, spent. Yeah, and <laughs> alone in the car. And I guess there was my like at the beginning. So there was at the beginning there was mileage, and then there were company cars involved, so that you wouldn't have to claim as much of the mileage. So there was never really a great like indicator of exactly how many miles I had traveled. Um, so, which again, right. is probably good, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Lots of, lots of travel and just, you know, you, you, you go from just thinking about it too. like, you know, you're, you have three hours in a car after visiting with a kid and you're just, your mind just spins on that too, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, it, sometimes it's therapeutic and sometimes it just, spins you out the whole time and your mind's just going on yeah on uh, all of that so yeah it's a, it's a right. lot it's a lot to kind of try and digest so 
I mean, kind of touching touching on like you 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 basically stayed at that agency until you quit, right? Like that yeah. was like sort of like in. Well, I guess you're still at that agency. Yes. Even. Yeah. Right? Like, yep. You're still at that agency, but you quit the social work side. I did. I did. And so before we get into like what led to that, I'm curious, why the hell even get into helping people in the first place? Yeah. Um, yeah. I love. I just love this question so much too. I feel like... I feel like it's just a part of me. And I know that sounds so like, okay, I'm sure everybody says that, you know, <laughs> but like, like I really do. I think, um, so my mom, my mom was a nurse. Um, there's lots of like, you know, helpers in my family. And I think it just was always kind of part of my nature to be like, mm-hmm. like if you do any of the personality tests and things, I'm always like, the nurturer, like I'm, you know, I am sure. always the the host, the caregiver, the, you know, all of those words are always mm-hmm. the ones that kind of come up for me. So yeah. I think you guys talk about Enneagrams and I'm like a, I think a, yeah. a two, yeah. um, which is the, okay. um, I think, I think that's right. The helper, right? The helper. Yes. Yep. So I yeah. think that's a two. That is, it is the helper. I'm, I'm not super up on like, uh, all the details. I know quite clearly that I'm a nine. Mm-hmm. Like when you said you were a chameleon, I was like, yeah, that's very similar to, uh, that's a trait I think mm. of, of the nine oh, <laughs> being able to kind of, you know, fit in and understand where people are coming from being able to, uh, kind of see the point of view of all the other numbers. Okay. Yeah. And so, Yeah. Yeah, that resonated with me. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're you're the you like just from from deep down for and for a very long time just found a lot of pride and a lot of uh warmth in helping people. Yeah, yeah. I had a um I also I had a fifth grade teacher who really like did a lot of what I would call maybe like immersive education too. Like she really just did a great job at like teaching us about like people. So like when it came to like history things, we learned about like Ellis Island and she set up an Ellis Island, like had parents come in to be the people Mm. who processed you through. We all dressed up and we were the people of Ellis Island. And she really like helped us understand all of those situations. She just did such a good job with that. Right. Mrs. Page, man, I will never, she's like one of those teachers that just sticks with you. Like fifth grade, yeah. like Smith road. Yeah. She's, she's my jam. <laughs> so if you're out there listening, New I love Hampshire. you. Um, <laughs> but, um, like just, you know, like, and I, and I think, and she, and I just remember reading so many books too, that I just felt like started to speak to that part of me and that, that like kind of time of mm-hmm. life. I knew I wanted to be in like the helping profession. And I remember in high school, um, we did some like, you know, you do a lot of the assessments to see like, what are you going to do? What are you going to be? And I always kind of got like mm-hmm. nurse or social worker. And I kind of already knew what a nurse would be. But I was like, what's this social worker thing? Like, what what does that really look like? And I actually did some babysitting for close family friends of ours. And they had gotten into foster care and then had actually adopted two little girls out of foster care like that kind of got me introduced to that kind of world. And then, interesting, um, yeah. Yeah. And then landed kind of in that once I really started reading about social work and finding out more about it, I was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So I went to UCM in Warrensburg and I got my undergrad there and I actually stopped at undergrad um, because I just really wanted to get into the field. I was kind of got to the point where I'm like, I'm I, I, I'm so itching to get my hands in this world that I, uh, I just, mm-hmm. I was like, I got to get into this now. And so I got hired on um, yeah. out of my internship. I was actually doing uh, work at a domestic violence shelter and did some work got there it. for a little bit and then had a friend call me and say, Hey, you know, this place is hiring. It's foster care work. What do you think? And I just remember being like, 
that's totally like a place I wanted to, to be. And, um, this was a, this was a friend who's super wonderful and so supportive, um, and was just really somebody I leaned on a lot through, uh, my, so my life in social work. So yeah, that kind of started that, <laughs> that whole adventure. Yeah. Right. So who in your family do you feel like you like nurtured that part of you, this like nurturer, caregiver, host kind of traits yeah. in you? Um, that's 100% my mom. She's that's okay. so my mom. Uh, she just was always so, so caring and so loving. And I, I joke that she would be a two as well because uh, like a, a a marker of the helper is someone who is self-sacrificing and almost to a fault at times. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And that's so uh-huh. us. Like that's so something and that's definitely something I picked up um, you know, from my mom, but that, that we just, just really caring about what's happening to other people and what's going on. So mm-hmm. she was, you know, that mom that was just always involved with what was going on with us for school. She would stay up late and, um, it, like making costumes for things for us. And, um, and she worked like she was a nurse, sure. like she worked like crazy hours and would always have find time to have like cookies baked for us and stuff. And you know, that meant that she wasn't sleeping, yeah. you know, looking back now, it's like, Oh, that meant she wasn't sleeping right. or certain things didn't get done for herself. And mm-hmm. like, you know, the neighborhood kids, we would always, kids would always be over at our house and our house was such like a hub yeah. and, you know, everyone was just kind of always, um, you know, we always yeah. called her, like, even my friends called her mom and we called our other friends, mom's mom and stuff too. But there's just always that like communal kind right. of thing happening at our house. So, um, I mean, that just sounds so warm. Yeah. It sounds so welcoming and just it, like, I know the, I know the friends that I had that you just felt like it was a second yep. home. Yeah. Yeah. When did you start to notice or realize that your mom was working full time and also not probably sleeping as much as she mm. should like always had these like it was like magic cookies were there and and costumes were made yeah. and you know she found time to be a mom to the neighborhood mm-hmm. kids too when did how old were you what was going on in your life when you realized that oh man um you know, probably in high school, I really started to notice, like, like it really hit me looking back. And then I would say not until becoming a mom myself, did I really understand what that meant and like what that sacrifice really was mm-hmm. that she was doing. Yeah. Like, I, I think definitely in high school, I started to see like, okay, I know I'm sleeping, <laughs> you know, like, and things like that, you know, like, wait, <laughs> when, when is she sleeping? And just, you know, you start, you start to kind of notice and, um, you know, you're more mature, you start to pick up on those things. Um, but I think there was always like a little part of me, like, even as a kid, I feel like, um, I just was a little bit more, and I feel like you've talked about this on, um, another episode where you just, you're, you just are almost in tune to people. Um, and you kind of just, no. So it's kind of hard for me to really say like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is when I, um, really noticed, but I know like as a kid, Mm -hmm. I, I remember really appreciating that. And, um, I don't know if it was because of, you know, noticing the other kids in my class that maybe didn't have those same things. Um, but, um, but definitely something that like, I feel like I always kind of knew, but didn't fully understand, um, like the, the brevity of that until I was, um, in like, in the situation myself as a mom. So. Right. Right. Well, and even, um, I'm not a mom. um, (laughs) You're not. And so, um, you know, it's, it's makes me feel a bit torn where it's like, I could easily feel like, yeah, that's amazing. You know, on the receiving end of that, especially being young, to be like, wow, my mom loves me so much. Like, that's got to be a a sense of something like a sense of safety and a sense of uh, being cared for that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And then also as you grow up and realize 
uh, that's not as it's not as like pretty amazing as it yeah right it's not as pretty it's not as like shiny mm-hmm. and 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 wonderful it especially after getting into social work and realizing like yes the realities how people who are generous with their energy and their spirit and their time and their caring how uh, just taken, you know, see, we're, we're easily taken advantage totally, of. Totally, totally. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. And it's hard. It's like, it was, it was, I remember just um, like a feeling and I can't remember, like, I feel like this conversation just happened over and over again, uh, being in social work, but just like, how do you keep doing this? Like how and why, why when I give an inch, is it always a mile that's taken? You know, um, mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, with my employer, with my, um, you know, with, with clients, whatever, um, with your coworkers, it just felt like, like, why is it always like that? And, um, there is a part of me that, that has, you know, I, I like to take an approach of like, okay, what do I have control over, you know? And, um, there is a part of me that has this like thought of, like what was that not was that me not setting the right boundaries or was that something that sure um you know do i think that it's all on that part of it no but i do wonder like could we do better about teaching how to set those boundaries, um, from the beginning. And yes, there's the boundaries that are taught, you know, you don't share your personal life. You don't do, you know, you, there's that, there's that (laughs) whole thing. It's like, oh, it's a protective shield for you. And, um, and I have my questions about that too, because, you know, you, you're asking, I think you've said this before too, like you're asking people to be real with you, but you know, you're not being real with them. You're not real with them. And so. Right. I mean, I, I feel like the, they're the rules that are, or the boundaries that are taught are clunky, one size yeah. fits all, um, overgeneralized mm-hmm. rules that really are kind of yeah. crap. I don't. I don't feel like we do good enough to. And that's and they're professional, mm-hmm. right? They're they're professional yeah. boundaries. They're not personal boundaries. The and, and where the personal identity meets the professional identity is something that I am really interested mm-hmm. in because I don't think that that we have good enough answers for how does how does something so personal because I have not met one person in the helping profession who didn't get into the profession for personal right. reasons. Yeah. Yeah, no one's in it to make money, that's for sure. <laughs> right. No, like <laughs> I mean that's part of like the sell a lot at least back back in when when I was sold it was you don't get into mm-hmm. this for money. You get into this for satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And I'm like looking back going where's the satisfaction? Yeah, where, I was promised I mean, satisfaction. There's, there's, where can I get that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> where as as like personally the things that used to be rewarding when I was um, from 18 to even 24 mm-hmm. were they are no longer rewarding yeah. to me because the reality of helping and the systems at play, they suck all that out of the air. Whereas, whereas before when it was just me and my friends, me and my family, um, you know, helping out on my campus. Um, Giving friends advice. Yeah. All of it was like so rewarding. Like even frick, like I got the counseling bug. I was working at Starbucks and I wasn't good enough to be on bar. So I never got to really make drinks. <laughs> And I was really upset by that, but I was put on the drive-through window, not even the inside. It was like, here you go. And this was when 
drive-throughs at Starbucks were new. Uh, nowadays, it's like only. I know you never see anyone going in. But <laughs> no, no. But back then, I I learned the the uh, the philosophy was Starbucks wanted to be people's third place, mm. and I didn't know this before I went in to interview and all that. But I learned this because my boss said that was something that I was saying even though I wasn't saying it, I didn't know why I was saying it in my mm. interview. And so she's like, I didn't care that you didn't drink coffee. I didn't care that you didn't know anything about coffee. It was that you wanted this place to be welcoming. And that's what mm. I wanted. And so anyway, I'm on the, I, for a long time, I was on the drive through window and realized without knowing it, I was learning about people's lives and all these regulars were coming in. I learned about people's parents dying mm -hmm. and, and divorces. Mm -hmm. And I learned dogs names and like that people weren't able to have children. Mm -hmm. And so they only had dogs and like all this. And I'm, and we shot for like the goal was to keep, keep it under like a minute and a half. Oh I my think. gosh from order to leaving and paying. And so I knew all this stuff about people. And then my boss said that to me and I'm like, holy crap. Okay. okay. All right. This wasn't something I was going for. Now my boss there, Dion, she was, I called her mama Dion. She was amazing. I loved her. She was so tough uh on us uh well on me i don't know about anybody else but she was so devoted to um that i mean you show that you want to grow and she was just 100 percent behind you and back in those days when i'm you know from 18 to 24 before i even get into my my master's degree for counseling like all of that was super satisfying mm -hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't a business. It wasn't, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, people weren't controlling it. And there was, so there was a couple things. There were like, of course, like influenced by your mom and that being a huge influence for you. Um, and I'm curious how the family that you babysat for also was a influence as well, because there's obviously a parallel between the the babysitting to then, you know, being the person to help kids find a yeah, family. Yeah. So I think like uh, their family was just so awesome too. Like, so their their mom was a nurse in the school district. My mom did some nurse in the school district stuff, and so they kind of connected. And I was actually. Uh, their son is the same age as me. So, um, so mm. he and I were friends and from middle school on, that's kind of how I got to know them and then started babysitting for them and just seeing mm -hmm. like these, these kids, they were just so like, they were so sweet. I didn't even know they were adopted from the beginning. Like, you know, like, yeah. you know, and then I got into the conversation. She told me the story of how they became part of their lives and um, like that it was through that yeah. through the foster care system and um, just what that's that's like and that world and um, you know of course in you know my bleeding heart is screaming with joy hearing this this story you know and uh, and and you yeah. just think about um, you know those happy endings and I think that pulls a lot of people right. in too is you know you think about you know those those un unfortunately when when we're in the thick of it those smaller percentages of things that happen when things kind of end really happy you know, that really just kind of always stuck with me too. And, you know, they just seeing how, how loving this, you know, family became for yeah. them and, um, and just her honesty too, with the whole process and how, you know, it's not easy and, um, how life is hard for, for, um, these kids and these families and just mm -hmm. all sorts of things there. And then, uh, we also have some family friends actually, uh, they're now my, uh, it's my stepdad now, um, but uh, his family originally, oh, okay. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, they, 
he has two girls that they um, adopted, not specifically through foster care, but through a very similar situation and um, where your mom couldn't uh, take care of them anymore. And those situations were just sort of always around me Mm -hmm. and just seeing how, um, you know, these, these loving, supportive homes can, you know, like these are two families who it was never like, oh, those are the adopted kids, you know, like they were, they were their kids. And just seeing that and seeing the change and and the love that, um, that brought them to that Mm -hmm. point, uh, I think really just, you start to go like, oh yeah, like I could help people through that. I could, I could help support people while they're doing that. And, you know, and hearing their stories of where things were hard and going, oh, I would do that differently. I want to go back to when you said your bleeding heart (laughs) was pouring out, I think is how you said it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But okay, so like this, this whole story seems like a watershed Mm. moment, like fork in the road. That's like this huge, amazing, almost transcendent moment. And I'm curious if I'm, if I'm putting is that, is that? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's kind of hard because it's almost like in my, in, like looking back now, you know, I was like, oh yeah, over the couple of years, yeah, that's definitely a watershed moment. But in, when you're living it, it's like, it's, it's these little moments throughout that whole process. So like, it's hard to think of it as like a watershed moment, but you're right. It really kind of, I, I think you're right. It is. It was just kind of a longer, longer, like a slow, slow burn on it. Almost, you know. There seems like to be more of a huge energy spark mm. rather than that's when the direction yes. changed. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily fork and road, but it was something igniting. Part of what I want to try to understand is is when you say bleeding heart, I I I get a bit defensive. Mm, okay. I get defensive. Sure. <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, sure. wait, 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 wait. Really? Um, because I think a lot of a lot of times, a lot of like like that Pollyanna idea of how how we're mm. seen, I think, or a lot of helpers mm-hmm. are seen, is well, they're just emotional. Mm. And I feel like it's like, no, no, no. I'm in tune. Yeah. I don't feel like I don't feel like this is a a uh, I don't feel like this is a detriment. I feel like this is a, a mm-hmm. skill and it's a natural thing that yeah. comes to me. And so if I'm projecting that onto you and if I'm I'm interpreting it through that strength rather than the detriment, I feel like there's something in there that was passionate. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, th- I think when I'm saying bleeding heart too, for me, like it's something that I'm like, I just lean into it at this point, you know, like, I'm just like that, that is who I yeah. am. And, and the world needs us. The world needs these people who care, uh, unabashedly, yeah. you know, and, and yes, we, <laughs> so you're less defensive than I, I am. And, and, and maybe, maybe that's just because I've been out of it for a little bit too. Like I've been out of it for a while. So like, it feels a little le- like easier to say that now. Yeah. Um, cause maybe, you know, if you'd caught me five years ago, you, I might've been like, Mm-mm, that's not what I am. I am here. I am here to do serious work and I am going to help people. Like, I mean, you're, you're also a woman and you're a mom. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, it's a little more accepted from you to let your bleeding heart rather than, Hey, you're a 300 pound man. Like, (laughs) Suck it up. Like, what yeah. the fuck? Which, like, I mean, like, I, I need I need those pep talks sometimes, too, of, like, you're here, you got to get it done, like, get it done. And, and you know, you, you had your friends that got you through that, too. But I, I think it's, like, I think it's something that you're right. When when you're in it, it's so hard to lean into. And you don't want you don't want people to, to just think, you know, you're, like you said, you're just emotional, you know, and that you, you're you just this emotional person. You, you mm-hmm. want people to understand, like, I am... I am emotional, but that is what is driving the serious work that I'm willing to do. I am willing to put in 60 hours. I am willing to take those phone calls. Mm -hmm. I am willing to drive for three hours to see a kid for one hour to make sure that they're getting what they need. And I am doing serious work that is changing the lives of these people that I'm working Mm. with, you know? So like if calling me a bleeding Mm. heart is what what that equals for you, then that's fine. But please know that behind that bleeding heart, there is so much work 
and seriousness mm-hmm. and love for what I'm doing that's driving all of that. That most people aren't willing to even that fathom That no one doing. would even want to do. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Hearing that story of, of how these children sort of found this loving mm. family and this family that took them in like mm-hmm. their own, that seems to me like a huge moment of passion and resource to push you through getting into this field and to even motivate you through a lot of bad times. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing that like, you know, and there's, there's a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of support there too, you know? So you know, I'm, if I'm having a hard mm-hmm. time, I, you know, who are those people that I call? I call my mom, you know, and cause she got, she, cause yeah. she gets it. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I talked to, um, those, those families and, uh, you know, it, the, their reminders too of a why, you know, like, why are you doing this? And it's like, oh, cause at the end there's that at the end, there's these kids that get mm-hmm. a loving home. And, um, and, and, you know, and maybe if I, if I push harder, if I just spend a couple more hours reading a couple more, uh, reading about a couple more families, there might be someone who's the right fit. And, you know, if I, uh, if I can get the right yeah. resources, maybe this kid can be stable and, and get the support that they need from that family, you know, and, um, right. if I can just push a little harder, maybe, that pinnacle of a happy family for these kids can be found, you know? Right. I mean, it sounds like that part too was, it was a big thing that uh, kept you in the work as yeah. long as it did. Yeah. Cause I think, I think for me, I've, I've stayed in the work um, for a lot of different reasons. Sure. Like the, the money that I've spent on my education, mm-hmm. my license, my licenses, mm-hmm. Uh, and certifications the some pride goes into it as well like if i if i quit then what's this all for kind of feeling but there's also the the fear for some of the clients there's like a sense of responsibility you know i know when i was at the agency there was just days that i knew i was at my end and i still got up i still went to work I still did my thing. And when I, when I was with those clients, I found a different level. Like it felt mm-hmm. transcendent where I was, I found a way to be present and to find some energy there where outside of those sessions, um, I mean, I could just fall asleep. I mean, I, I was, I was at yeah. my end and it was a huge part of that was a sense of responsibility and a sense of like, I can't let these people down. I mean, how many times I've heard you're the only person that understands this. Yeah. You're the only person in my life that talks to me the way that you're talking to me mm. and, and always trying to strike this balance between like acceptance and challenge. Yeah. And that was like, that's on a, for me, a spiritual level. Like, that's not just a boundaries kind of thing. It's not as simple as the typical conversation, yeah. right? The professional boundaries. You need to do more self-care and let them Ugh. take responsibility for their lives, Ben. And I'm like, yes. Yes. And what else? Because this is, you're just like, oh, that sounds like a messy problem. I don't want to yeah, deal like, with Like, Like, the, the sum of your advice right there is, cool story, bro. Good luck. Like, <laughs> like, just don't do that. Well, just don't do what? My job? Thank like, you. Like, I have to listen to people. Like, just, just, just don't, don't do, do that. Let, don't be you. Let them don't figure do your it job. out. Okay, like, I'm literally here to help people yeah. figure it out. Or like, let, let them figure it out. You want me a, You want me to have a 12-year-old figure out a Social Security Administration application? Not going to happen. Like, like, that's not a thing that they can do. They can't fill that stuff out for them. Like, like that's not, no. So, and, and then that leads you to, oh, yeah. like, right. well, where's the support? Right. Like, where's the support for those right. moments when you, you know, you're, you're there because you have this passion and you know you want to do this mm-hmm. and you've pushed through and you've gotten yourself to that point. But, like, that's not sustainable. And and no, the expectation is that... It's not. You got to figure it out. Like, you got to figure it out on your yeah. own. And... The things that bring us here, they can't keep us no. here. I mean, unfortunately, I am 
I am a, an example. I, I hate to say it, but I am an example of that. You know, I had, I have, I have all the supports. I had, um, you know, all, not all the knowledge, but I had lots of knowledge. I had lots of great moments to kind of push me forward to know like, oh, the work is meaningful. What you're doing matters. You know, I had all yeah. of those things right? and it still wasn't enough, you know, right? It, it's not right. enough at the end of the day. Right. Well, I mean, it sounds like you had your mom to lean on quite heavily mm-hmm. and she was a nurse. So she probably understands this very well. You had, it sounds like you had a really good friend or mentor or someone at work mm-hmm. who helped you get the job yeah. that you were really close with or are still close yeah, with. Yeah, like, like she, even in college, she was my support there too. Like when I was doing my internship, yeah. she she was my she was my dog yeah. babysitter for me because I would have to drive places. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like we were we were very close friends. And, yeah. and she yeah, she was totally like changed my life. A person who changed my life. Yeah. So totally. how did you come to the decision that it was like what was like the biggest reason why you were like, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep feeling like I'm taking it, being taken advantage of that all of like, there's no end to this work, 60 hours a week, hundreds of miles a week of driving, endless piles of paperwork and endless vats of suffering that you were seeing. What was the last straw? Yeah. So yeah, on top of all of those things that you mentioned, um, of course, and, um, you know, that, that just starts to build itself. And then, um, uh, I was at the point in my life, I was married and, um, we just, we had decided we wanted a family and, um, we started trying to get pregnant and we were having problems and, um, there was not any like big major reason why um i i have pcos so there's some things with that if you know about it cool if you don't research it yourself i'm not going to get into it here um but um so uh and one of the big things that can help with that is uh lowering stress so um i didn't have a lot of the typical um issues i wasn't overweight i wasn't having like huge um like crazy Mm -hmm. hormonal and like uh fluctuations and things like that. Like there was, I didn't have the type two diabetes that comes with that too. So there's, I, I was a little atypical in that sense, but, um, but really I basically, my (laughs) doctor was like, yeah, you got to lower your stress. Like, um, you know, do what you can and, uh, you know, no, no amount of, (laughs) of, uh, bubble baths after work that they tell you to take, you know, like glasses of wine and go, go relax and sit down, you know, like no amount of that was was going to, you you just need to get a hobby. Yes. Oh yeah. Just get a hobby, you know, with that free time that you have after working 60 hours Mm -hmm. a week and, you know, yeah, totally. So, um, you know, no, no amount of that was, was fixing or going to fix that. How, how important was it to you? Like, even before all of this, like, how important was it to you to be a mom? Literally, I, I, if anybody asks me why I was put on this earth, I would seriously answer it was to be a mom. Like, I always knew I wanted kids and I didn't care how they came to me, but I always knew I wanted to be a mom. And, um, and I think part of that was because I had such a great mom, like, um, and, uh, my mom's a really cool person that she does a really good job now, especially with me and my sister, both being parents and, uh, of going back and saying, Hey, this is where I went wrong. You guys may not have seen this as a kid, but this is where I went wrong. And, and really being able to like, yeah. Try and try and keep up. She's an amazing person. Yeah. Like seriously, she is one of the most amazing people in the world. Um, and, and, and really just try to keep us from making some of the same downfalls too that, you know, of course we never, mm-hmm. we never saw, we had fantastic childhoods and, um, you know, and, and my dad was part of that too. I don't want to, you know, discount him. He was a, he was a fantastic dad and, um, you know, engaged, uh, wanted, you know, wanted a good things for us always, yeah. you know, wanting to, um, like make sure he was sharing life experiences and stuff, but like, it seems just like you shared my something mom very was really deep that resonant person. with your mom. Um, yeah. 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 I am a lot like her too, which is yeah. 
amazing <laughs> in a lot of ways. And I, um, you know, I'm grateful for, yeah. um, but yeah, that was always something I wanted to be. I always wanted to, you know, to be just like her and to, um, you know, to be a mom. Yeah. And to help people. So two huge conflicts, two, two huge things yeah. conflicting, right? Like you have put a lot of time and energy into this career. Um, and it's a big mission to help people, mm -hmm. help kids find uh, their home, yeah. their safe you know, place to be. And also you even deeper yeah. inside of you knew this was bigger than that. And, and your doctor's yeah. sitting there yeah. saying, look, you got to choose. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? That must have been devastating. Oh gosh, terrible. <laughs> um it really was um it really was and um <laughs> you know uh it was a hard God, so, that must have hard decision to make. So oh bad. god, it was so hard. I remember just like sitting in my car crying. Because I was like, I, I don't know, I don't know how to lower my stress anymore. Like, I don't know what to do here. And, uh, and, and really I started to, started to think like, how do I even reconcile like being a mom and working 60 hours a week? Like I can't be rolling home at nine o'clock every single night anymore. Like, that's just not like, this isn't sustainable. And, and I started seeing these two parts of my life just not meshing anymore. And, um, and then there's also that feeling of, yeah. But I'm kind Ooh. of a mom to some of these kids. Like there yeah. was one kid that I worked with from reintegration. When I moved from reintegration to the adoption mm -hmm. team, his his case moved to adoption as well. And I right. had been working with this kid for four years, like and and mm -hmm. providing all of the services for him. And and I was the constant in in that kid's life. And um and then another ones too, you know, like I was I was that I mean, person I've, that was I've always heard there clients talk about you so like your reputation preceded you before we even met like i knew how they talked about you oh. so i know sweet. part of part of your your willingness and your devotion to them and your care for them i understood that before we even met and so i i mean you oh. sitting in your car like trying to search your mind going how do i lower my stress so that i can have both things while also coming to like having to reckon with the impossible uh the impossible hours um the lack of resources and lack of support mm -hmm. um but also this deep yeah. spirit of of care that you have for your clients um and the devotion to help people who are suffering like that is huge just fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean that word probably came out of my mouth a lot um you know and 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 how do you it how do you how do you say goodbye to that too? And not just the kids, not just all that. How do you say goodbye to the, to the profession, you know, to something <clears throat> that you love, that you believe in, that you have values mm -hmm. that align so well with, and that just fits you. And you know, like it's a part of your soul, you know, and, and it's such a deep part of your identity at that point too. Like, I don't know. That was the question I had for you. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, um, you know, ultimately it, it was a lot of conversations. It's like, here we go, answer my question. Um, but you know, there, 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 there were a lot of, you know, conversations with my husband of, um, you know, just, and that's a hard thing too, because, um, you know, he's not, uh, somebody who's in the social services and that's, uh, you know, for anybody who knows our family. Well, I, I mean, I think that that's something that is unique that you share with your mom um, that I know I don't have is mm -hmm. someone inside my family who understands mm -hmm. what it's like to have such a, 
a passion and a gift and strengths that all align with all of that. And they, yeah. they, I don't feel like most of my family understands the deep nuances of this job. And so I'm assuming you're getting a lot of reductionist type of, of feedback from him. Well, why don't you just quit? Or, you know, what's the big deal kind of yeah. message? And yeah. you're like, okay, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and, and not, you know, no shade on him no, at all, right. but I like, mean, you know, in his head, he's thinking, you yeah. know, so, so my, my husband's in it, but, and he's thinking You're right. if anybody walked in and poured water <laughs> on me and then went around the office screaming, <laughs> I would be quitting my job. Like, that's not a thing that happens in my job. And I'm like, well, that happened in my job today. You know, a kid did that. Like I'd be out. And, you know, and, and, and I think, I think a lot of it for those people in our families too, it's, it's them protecting us because they're thinking, God, I would never let anybody treat me like that. Why are you letting people treat you like that? Like you are worth more than that. I love you more than that. I don't want to see you go through that. Um, so, you know, I, I think, I think they're coming from this mm -hmm. place of what, what they feel is protection and love. And, and, you know, for us, we're just hearing like, oh, you don't get it. You're not, you, you don't, you don't hear, you, you, you're not there. You don't understand how much how much I love you don't this see kid. The humanity of the like, people. Yeah. Yeah. Or how much, right. how much I know that this person, you, you know, how much I know this person is trying right. and how, yeah, how, whatever it yeah, might be. I mean, I mean, that's the sort of thing that I think we understand is, is that there's a human behind the, the behavior and that there's, there's the potential for growth and that's got to be nurtured. And of course, I think boundaries are huge. Uh, and accountability, of course, is huge, but the the like quick snap judgments, um, and that's it's it's not to throw you know anybody under the bus, mm -hmm. but yeah. there's there's a just a much deeper understanding that we have than than a lot of my family has at least. And honestly, I don't. There's parts of that that I don't want them to understand because there's a lot of pain down that road. To open yourself up to understanding other people's pain hurts. And there's, you got to have a lot of courage to go down that road. And I think mm -hmm. that that's part of the things that we don't yeah, get credit for thing. or people don't see is like we, we open ourselves up to people's trauma and their suffering yeah. to help. And yeah. I don't know. That's just something that people don't understand. Mm. Yeah. You know, I never thought about, um, I never thought about courage. Like that's, that's really interesting that you say that. And, and when you say it, I'm like, hell yeah, courage, like hell yeah, courage yeah. on this. Of course it takes courage. And I never really thought about, and why, why is that not a, a word that we think of when we think of, of helpers, you know, um, at least in the, in the, in the social services and mental health field, you know, yeah, you think firefighter and those kind of helpers and EMTs and, you know, yeah, oh yeah, they have courage. They go into fires, they go into accidents, all that stuff. But like, yeah. why not the same for us? And that's, that's the piece and I, just I think, never, like, that's the stigma. Yeah. There's a stigma that is, is, of course, that we live in society with, but also I think within some of the helping profession as well. Uh, Blakely's dad was um, a firefighter for years. And mm. so she was like, yeah, we run into the burning, burning psyches of people's mind every single day. Ah. And so like the, the damage that can happen to us is psychological and it's even emotional, spiritual kind of, kind of damage. And we have terms for that, but we don't have, we're not recognized for it. It's not something that it's like, oh yeah, you've got burnout. You've got compassion fatigue. You know what we need to do? We need to put you on desk duty for a little while so you can get back rejuvenated and then get back into the field. Like, yeah, no, it's go take a bubble bath and see you here. Yeah, in no, it's <laughs> on, it's on you. Actually, it's your fault yeah. that you're, you're going through empathy, stress or strain. Yeah, you probably don't have good that boundaries. You're burnt out. You have compassion fatigue. 
you have secondary stress. That's on you. You need to be a better person. And it mm-hmm. becomes this morality thing. And it's like something you're not doing enough. Right. You're not doing right. enough of something. And that's, that's I mean, I, I, honestly, I feel like that's what you were like under the weight of in your car outside mm-hmm. your doctor's office going, what the fuck do I do? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really, yeah. Yeah. And then, and how do I, you know, and, and then you have the, the questions of, um, you know, you kind of brought this up a little bit too, but I, this is what I always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. This is always what I've wanted to do. Yeah. But being a mom is always what I've wanted to do too. Right. And how do I, how, like, how mm-hmm. is it possible that I leave this? How do I leave one of these dreams behind? Right. Um, and, and just, and what does that look like, you know? And, and um, yeah. After you decided uh, to, to leave, and I know that probably took, took a little while like that was a process to come to terms with and then find options and all of that i know that you even mm-hmm. were considering like doing some daycare right like oh, doing yeah. daycare and oh yeah trying to yeah. work less yeah. and keep keep a part of that that alive and take a huge mm-hmm. pay cut <laughs> for yes, that yeah. as well. I went, to, I went to interviews. I went to interviews. I got job offers for 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 daycare stuff. Yeah, huge pay cut. Which is just sad to think about because as you know, in the social services, you're not making anything anyway. So, if I'm taking a pay cut from the social services, you're going <laughs> like, ah! which which shows how important this is to people, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like especially for you like wanting to keep that alive and wanting to continue to uh, be a nurturer and someone that is yeah. like that fills you. It's not just like, well, I'm going to put myself aside and go help somebody. No, that's a part of the thing that motivates you oh, to yeah. be alive and, and have a, a life worth living. And yeah. So Talk about filling your own cup. Like, yeah, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And, and why it's so angering often when, when we start to burn out that it's like, mm. you know, this was something that was huge for me and now it's not anymore. And it's, it's devastating. Um, but anyhow, like I know that you were doing that. And then I I know of course my wife works at the same agency and, um, was it, uh, was it her boss that got you into the, like more of the, like their, their side of the agency? Yeah. So she, um, I had, I had worked in some of, uh, the, the crossover. So of course, uh, what I'm doing now is, uh, has to do with the, uh, software that's built the in-house software there. And as a, as a user of that software, they would often do, uh, demos to us and we would say in trainings and we'd say like, oh yeah, that's good. No, that's not good. And, um, and so I guess I had, uh, my feedback had caught their eye at some point and also uh, been talking with somebody else on the team who I had worked with uh, on the frontline staff right. before okay, and okay, said, okay. Yeah, hey, yeah, 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 if yeah. you hear of anything, like, right. I- I'm, I'm thinking about having to get to out. the agency. <laughs> like, yeah, I know this is something you did. Right. Keep me informed if you hear anything. And so between those two things, I think uh, yeah. when an opening became available, uh, kind of snatched me up a little mm-hmm. bit, let me know it was an option. And I kind of was like, all right, let me see this. And even, I, I just remember I was, I remember sitting on on the couch. <laughs> I was at my sister's house, uh, for Thanksgiving and I have my computer out because I'm working. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm entering <laughs> logs. I'm doing the paperwork side of things. Right. And right. so I'm, I'm doing that. And, and this email comes over and I'm thinking, I can't do that. Like, I, you know, I can't do that. There's no way I can do mm-hmm. that. And I, what would that even look like? And blah, 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 blah. Right. And all this stuff. And I'm like processing this through in my right. head. And my sister's like, are you okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm making some kind of face. And, uh, and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. And I tell her what's going on. And she kind of knows, of course, everything else that's been happening. And, right. um, and she's like, well, what does it hurt to interview? Uh, you know, and, and then that just kind of got my brain going. And then, you know, I saw, so I look into what it's all about and then I interview and I really like these people and I love that I get to be still connected in some way. You know, I'm still, I'm, uh, and actually something we kind of say now too is helping the helpers. Right. So 
yeah. you know, now, okay, now I'm, mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm still there and I'm still doing something to help in some way. Um, but I'm not taking on all of that, um, right. you know, emotional trauma. Right. And, uh, so, um, yeah, so I, I made that move and, um, you know, of course the transition takes some time, but even just from the time that, um, you know, they, they offered me the job and I, uh, made the decision to accept, I, I think there was just this weight that was completely lifted yeah. and the transition took about a month and a half and, you know, not too long after transitioning, you know, my first, I'm, I'm thinking I'm coming off of fatigue from, uh, uh-huh. from this big transition and the extra hours that I worked to make sure my case is transferred. And I'm like, Oh, I'm feeling kind of tired, but I'm, but I'm so jazzed about this new job and everything's great. And, you know, about six weeks into the new job, I find out that's not just fatigue. You're pregnant. <laughs> yeah. So something good <laughs> happened from that. Um, but you know, I think I, I, you know, I think that stress lowering and really being able to, um, to kind of, you know, get, get that weight lifted off really, Mm -hmm. um, really was a huge change there. And, but you know, there's, there's still mourning. There's still mourning for for those, those things. And how do you fill that part of you? Well, it's too big. It's too big to be resolved easily. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's something that, you know, of course, like that, that is a big existential choice of which part, which value am I really going to pursue and which one am I going to try to cut away, you know, yeah. for the, for my life and for the life of my family. And I mean, honestly, that is, that is something that it's, it is why this podcast exists. I mean, it is like yeah. real life human choices and high stakes stuff that we don't get to hear about. And so, I mean, I think that even I, I, I imagine what it would be like to be in that position, having to choose between your the profession you've put so much time into and passion into, and then also your own health, your own well-being, your own family, um, the thing that you feel most passionate about, like being a mom, I would, there'd be so much grief and so much doubt and reconsideration. And I mean, it, it takes a lot of courage to make that choice. I mean, that's a big leap. Yeah. I held on in a lot of ways too. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't let my license lapse for years. I think I, a year ago, I think was the first time and maybe 20, was it 20, it was either 2020 or la- I think it was 2020 was the first year I said, okay, I don't need to keep this. <laughs> I don't need to keep this. And, yeah. and if you know, if, if you've come back to it, you take this, you sit for the exam again and you put yourself through that. Um, but, but right. yeah, that was, that was kind of, I think that was, you know, it was almost just the slowly letting go in pieces. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate your openness and, and willingness to talk about this. I mean, it is, it brings life to a lot of the stuff that we don't get to really hear about the person behind all of this. And so, yeah, it's been so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, I, I just been to, I really just love what you guys are doing here too. I think it's really great to have these conversations and have people thinking about these, you know, um, you know, especially, you know, like helpers, we need to be thinking about this and we need to be having those thoughts of, of, of what's keeping me here and how can I, how can I maintain? Mm -hmm. And, you know, just, it's not, it's not you, you know, there, there is mm-hmm. a systematic, uh, push against you that's happening and, right. um, and just how can we support each other and, and find ways to, yeah. to, you know, maybe even make changes hopefully in those systems too. Yeah. So. I mean, I've got to believe that there's so many, so many helpers out there that are considering the same thing that, uh, that you were considering and, and living with the same weight that you were living with and uh, having to choose between their, their well-being and their profession and their, their source of money and income. And, and I mean, there's so much difficulty with this and yeah, I, I really appreciate you lending yeah, your story and definitely, your heart definitely. to this. So. Yeah. And to anyone who's out there doing that right now too, it's not easy and you, you have to make the choice that's best for you. Um, and you know, find ways to to fill that cup in other ways if 
if staying in the profession really isn't for you. And I hope, I hope there are people that can find a way to though. I hope we can, you know, find ways to make it better. Well, I know you need to go. Thank you so much for all of your time. Absolutely. Um, Anytime, anytime. I love doing this. Awesome. All right. Well, you take care. You too. Have a good one, man. See ya. Bye. All right. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. This was such a wonderful conversation with Allison. She shared so much of her story and with her heart with us. And uh, we just want to say thank you to Allison. Thank you so much for that. Again, anyone out there who's struggling with this stuff, these are personal and difficult decisions that we have to make as people who want to help others, but also can't forget to take care of ourselves as well. And that's not such a simple task. Um, so if you have any questions, if you have any desire to get in, get a hold of us or uh, join us on this whole journey of people who are in the same boat trying to survive and trying to help other people, get in touch with us. We would love to talk with you. We would love to connect with you. You can reach us at Being the Work on Instagram. You can uh, email us on our website, beingthework.com. And you could also just email us straight up, beingthework at gmail.com. We hope you are well. We wish you well. And thank you so much for joining us today.